100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Smooth West Hunt Podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by my buddy Chris Wiest. Chris is a Pennsylvania hunter and power lifter that works his butt off to find success in multiple states every year. We discussed the struggles of this season, hunting low deer density areas, access difficulties, wind and thermals in particular areas, floating goals, bouncing back from low points, and much more. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday Story of the Week, we have a story coming from Seth Bent out of Maine. So Seth wrote in, in 2022, my wife and I went to the family camp in Maine for Thanksgiving week during the rifle season. My father-in-law had been up there for two days already hunting and scouting before we showed up on Sunday. He had found an area with some good deer signs, so we planned on hunting it Monday morning. The first morning hunt, my wife and I went in toward the top of the brook to hunt down each side of it. When we reached the brook, I crossed and she kept on the same side. Not more than 100 yards down the edge, a track cut across, so I followed it down to the second brook, which it also crossed. I followed it up a short but steep bank on the other side where it met another good-looking track, but one went up to the brook while the other one headed down. As I was standing there trying to figure out which one I was going to take, a deer started blowing from up on the hill in front of me. I knew it must have heard me because the scent was getting pulled down the brook and away from the deer. So I took my grunt tube, did a few short grunts, broke a branch off a sapling in front of me, and raked the heck out of another tree trying to sound as aggressive as possible. I ended with a couple of deep grunts, then took a knee and waited to see what could happen. To my disbelief, not more than a couple minutes went by and I heard a crack of a branch to my left. I looked and here comes a deer. He stopped at about 15 yards behind a jack spruce. We had a stare down for what felt like forever until he stepped out far enough I could put a good shot on him, which dropped him in his tracks. It was a total of 45 minutes of hunting, on our first day in Maine after what had already been a very long, unsuccessful season up to that point. Another example of it can happen at any second. This was a nine point that weighed 179 pounds. Congratulations, Seth. That is an absolute brute and love the the deer camp in Maine and tracking and going through and doing all that. That uh, sounds like such a good time and an awesome deer. So thank you for sending that in. If you have a Mountain Buck success story that you want to send in for Mountain Buck Monday, all I need is a short paragraph or two and uh, a few photos. Send it to my email, bodiesmeetswesthunt.com, and I'll get it scheduled to go out. Been getting a lot of submissions so far this year, and I uh, love Love getting them in. I really haven't even gotten to the 2023 ones yet. Just still going through the the backlog here. So be patient. They will go out. Um, in other news, uh, just been grinding it out, hunting like crazy. I'll share all the the details on the season up to this point. We talk about it a little bit in this podcast, but do I'll do a whole dedicated episode to it and uh, kind of go through that. But for now. I appreciate everybody listening. If you like the episode, you enjoy it, please share it with your friends and give it a rating and review wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anything like that. That all helps so much. So I appreciate it and I hope everyone is having a good hunting season so far. Good luck. All right. 
We're live. Chris Weiss, welcome back to the podcast. It's been uh, it's been about 10, 11 months since I uh, had you on last time, but a uh, lot has changed since then. Yeah, definitely. Glad to be here, man. Yeah, well, no, I, I shouldn't say a lot has changed. I mean, it's the same same thing, but I just mean there's been there's been even though it doesn't seem like that that amount of time, there's been a lot of a lot of work being put in and in, in the tree and and being able to do that. And at the time of recording this, we're kind of in the the heat of the rut, and Chris had just uh, killed a buck here um, yesterday. Yesterday was right on so it's been Saturday, November fourth. But, and, uh, we, you know, him, Chris and I have been texting back and forth quite a bit, uh, you know, through the seasons and, and, you know, the highs and lows that kind of come with it. And I was like, man, I gotta get Chris back on to, um, to talk about this because, you know, at the time of this, this going out, I'm sure there'll be, you know, quite a few people that still have tags in their pocket and have been putting in a lot of work and just, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of it. And I figured we'll kind of skip a lot of the backstory on Chris. If you want that, you can listen to the the original podcast, but I'll just give you my my Cliff Notes version on, on getting to know Chris, you know, over the last year is he's a dude that just puts in an absolute, a lot of work and passion in everything you do, which can come, which can come with a lot of really good things and success you can also drive yourself nuts when you get you know, so focused on that. Cause I, I, I know, I know the feeling, believe me. <laughs> and, uh, and Chris just, you know, seems to always be able to, to come through and, and get it done. But, uh, so Chris, how's, uh, how's, I mean, obviously you just killed a buck, but how, how's the season been going up to this point? Uh, it was pretty slow. Don't see a lot. Uh, I think it was pretty common in the mountains, but, uh, yeah, it got pretty rough there for a while until it uh, everything changed in about thirty seconds, which is usually how it goes. But uh, yeah. always that which we least expect it, so you're always uh, itching for that for that magic moment to happen. Yeah, you know, it was it was funny. Uh, I I thought we were going to have to put out some sort of watch on you because I felt like you know Jason and I were uh, talking. We're like, I don't know, Chris is Chris is getting looks like he's getting a little bit, you know wore out as far as uh just like man i've been hunting a lot and you know i'm not not seeing many deer and that's that's the nature of it but you know you you were putting in a lot of time you know all through really what when did you start hunting in september uh september 8th was my first set yeah so like for the last two months of freaking hard work and and the thing is you know you work second shift so basically what you've been doing from at least from from the outside looking in talking to you a little bit is like you'll work until later on the night and then you get up early and go out and sit in the tree or scouting during the mornings. Yeah. Yeah, when the season started in Maryland, I I slept in my park for 3 weeks. I would Did uh, you really? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep, I would leave um uh, Monday morning head down, hunt, and then go to work. And, uh, I mean, work's nice. I got those showers and gym and stuff to work. So after my shift, I would just work out quick, get a shower, drive down to Maryland Public and just lean the seat back and sleep for about four and a half hours, five hours, whatever I could get and hunt and just do it again. And I wouldn't be home until Saturday night. <laughs> oh man that uh that's that's some dedication to it and and i 
like doing that over and over again is just like it gets tough from a, a a sleeping standpoint like you just get wore out how how did you feel like you were d- dealing with it was it just a lot of caffeine or did you have to take some some breaks in there what was your kind of process for dealing with that oh i always drink way too much caffeine <laughs> but uh yeah it, it, i wasn't too bad until probably like that last day or two uh towards the end of the week but yeah i definitely got plenty of caffeine in me and then i would just uh, uh try to uh sleep in maybe sunday morning or something like that just to get a morning to refresh you know some some weeks i didn't even yeah. do that some weeks i just pounded it out for for two and a half weeks straight without sleeping in eventually i feel like i just got used to it but yeah and you and you were trying and and not to uh, and you didn't make it easier on yourself because this year you were you were dead set with taking out a recurve and yeah it's, it is a recurve right though well, not a long bow mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not totally up on the the lingo of the different the traditional bows i guess um but when i was down with you in august uh we were at the timber ninja event and all of you stick bow guys if you want to call it were out there shooting and 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 i'm like man you know i have enough trouble with the compound it just that that seems like a uh a, a tough ad to be able to to throw onto it hey man nathan was showing me how to do it yeah, I know. I know. He's it, man, I give him, you know, we were talking about that so much respect that, you know, Nathan Killen like the fact mm-hmm. that he gets it done every year and he's, you know, using traditional equipment like that is that is pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, 100%, dude. I I try not to be like a suck up to anybody, but I will freely speak about how much respect I have for that man. And because I know him on like a personal level now with everybody and we talk a lot of stuff and just duty. So much respect for that guy. Yeah. Cause you know, he's hard worker and no hard worker and such a nice person in general, just like super humble, super Absolutely. kind and just, yeah, totally, totally agree. But so t- talk a little bit about like your your experience as you were going through the season. What what do you think your what were your biggest struggles? Was it you know you said you weren't seeing many deer, but do you think like if you were to analyze it at this point, maybe you haven't a lot yet, but like where do you think some of your struggles were coming from, or what do you think that you know could have done a little bit different? Oh, uh, honestly, I think it's just the low this the low deer density you know, in the, in the mountain ground that you know, comes along with, with that. Um, cause man, I, I really feel like my access was like fairly good all season. I mean, it's not perfect every time, obviously you, everybody makes mistakes. There's times where I walked in, I'm like, man, I shouldn't have come in this way. I should have come in a different way. The wind's not blowing the right way. Uh, all those little details, but I think my setups were solid. My access has been decent. It's just been either low, deer density or like weather related you know what i mean it might be because i hunted straight through whether it was cold or warm no matter what like it's uh, to me it's like the deer are there they're not going anywhere if it's warm out it's they don't leave and go on vacation you know what i mean they're there they're gonna move every single day no matter what so i, I feel like I, I need to be in the woods all the time that's how i am too because i feel like if i sleep in or miss a day i like basically gave up my whole opportunity <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That's uh, it, it's funny. That's kind of how I've been feeling. Um, you know, now during even during the rut here, where it's like anything can happen at any time, and it's like I have other things that I need to be doing, you know, in my life, and and you know, jokingly, like I don't have like. Everyone thinks that, you know, now that I do the the podcast and everything full time, it's like, oh, you hunt for a living. And it's like, not not exactly like, yeah, that, that looks looks like that. But <laughs> yeah. actually, like producing this stuff and, and sitting behind the computer is what actually makes the makes the money. So I got to still find time for that. And so it's been just like I've been terrible with like getting back to anybody or like just I feel like my phone's full of messages and everything because I just like when I'm, I'm out there hunting, trying to take advantage of the daylight and then working at night and then trying to get some sleep in the middle of it and, and family time and all those different things and trying to balance all of it is not, not a simple thing. And, you know, you've been, you've been doing it for, you know, two months where for me, I, I knew that like November was going to be kind of a grind. So in October, when I got back from um, Alaska and South Dakota, I kind of took it easy there at first and was just like, all right, try to get all your other priorities figured out and then, you know, go full bore once it, mm-hmm. once it gets a little bit closer to the, to the rut time. But it's not, it's not simple to be able to, or not easy to be able to put in that kind of time, you know, especially with you, you know, and it's like, for me, I, I I'm lucky from the standpoint of where I can be flexible with my work hours and like be able to, you know, change it and do whatever. Um, you know, if someone's going to get mad, it's, it's the guy in the mirror, um, from, from that standpoint, you know, not necessarily having a boss, but you know, for you, you have to, you've been having to go in like, like most people from a certain time till a certain time mm-hmm. and then get out. And I mean, that's what I, you know, did for years until, until last year, but, uh, it's that, that can, that can wear on you and it can start to wear on you, you know, even mentally and especially hunting the places like you do. And like I do, and a lot of the listeners, you know, big woods and mountains and whatever, like it's, low deer density is hard and it starts to, it starts to wear on your mind. Like no matter how much, I don't care how good you think you are, you you can, you can wear, I mean, it's going to humble you no matter what, like it's, it's not simple. It's not easy to be able to, to get on deer in these places. And it, it, it really does take time. Now everyone can get, you know, quote unquote lucky, uh, you know, early to be able to have that happen. But a lot of times, for me at least, most seasons are are an absolute grind. Yeah, I feel that really hard this year too because, you know, I put probably more time into scouting, running cameras, and learning a whole brand new uh, piece of public ground this year than I ever have. And I really thought that I was like on top of it. I'm like, man, like I'm going to get in there. Uh, sometime in October, I'm going to have a chance at one box. I'm going to like, shoot one within like the first couple of weeks, man, was that as far from the truth as it could have been. <laughs> yeah. I had probably like five, like exceptional uh, deer on one piece of ground on camera over the summer. And I'm like, Oh man, like at least like two or three of these things are going to stay on that piece of ground. They're not going to move out. And I'm going to have, you know, if you have four or five deer, that's four or five times the chance you have to see one. Uh, only one big one stayed. And all the other ones moved out. And uh, it just, I, I was chasing that deer's tail. I mean, since uh, since September running cameras. Um, that's not the deer that I shot, but there's a big one in there I was after. 
I had that thing on nine different trail cameras over a mile stretch, just making a giant oval oval shape. But he had no patterns of like what he was doing. There's like no rhyme or reason. I just, especially now, man, like November, it's he's going to be checking dough groups all over that piece. I'm not that upset that I shot a different deer. <laughs> yeah, no, and 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 uh, yeah, I I can understand that because I'm kind of in the same boat where I have there's one deer that I'm like really focused on now i'll shoot other deer like you did but like my my i always have like i always try to like focus on one deer and then if another one i want to shoot comes by then i'll shoot them and i'm perfectly happy with that but it just like gives me focus when i have you know one that i'm trying to figure out or you know get you know it just gives me like kind of a purpose to 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 what i'm doing and it uh you know here recently this this past week, so this first week of end of October, first week of November, or even in the you know the last week in October, there it was. I've had the best year that that I've had in a long time, as far as action, as far as sightings, as far as all that stuff. Yet I don't. I've never drawn my bow back yet. But you know, all all that to be said, it's just like. trying to get eyes on you know that single deer which i did on halloween and but it's it's so hard and now we're getting into november now it you know there's a good chance that he's going to be on his feet moving around a little bit more but where you know it's like like towards the end of october i felt like i was you know like this close where you know he was showing up um, on camera about within an hour of daylight, he did come in in daylight a couple of times after when I pulled the card and, um, and I just like, I'd get in there and I think, I think he came out one night, like around October 23rd, right at dark. And I ended up sitting in the tree for an hour and a half after dark because I knew I could hear him working this scrape. I don't know if it was him. It could have been a spike for all I know, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say it was him. And, uh, you know, like we're always get that working the scrape. Yeah, you get that gut feeling. It just seemed, and it was like, you know, coming close to that full moon time. And I could see like, you know, shadow of the body way out there, about 80 yards out, there was another scrape. And, um, you know, and I'm just like, you know, it's got to be him. You know, I'm, I'm sitting in the tree just uh, waiting. I eventually had to to make some coyote howls and sounds to try to get him spooked off to to not, you know, for so I could climb down and get out of there essentially and, you know, not, not spook him. And, and the funny thing was we were talking about access and like, you know, thinking that you're getting clean and you, you know, you try really hard to do that. Well, coming out that night was not, was not good for me. So I had, I was like, all right, I saw which direction he went and I was like, that was my normal way out. And I'm like, all right, so I got to do something different. I looked at Spartan Forge. I'm like, all right, I can go up the edge. It was like a herbicide sprayed uh, clear cut. So there's just trees, you know, down all over and tops. And, you know, it's kind of hard to navigate through in the in the dark and even with maps. Like, you know where you need to go, but how to get there. And this was like a very flat area. And this deer lives in an area that's extremely flat. And I hate hunting those areas, but that's just where he, where he lives at. And there's not much terrain I can get turned around pretty quick in, in those types of areas when everything looks the same and it's all the sprayed, you know, cuts. Well, apparently I took the wrong logging road and then ended up in like this beach brush, just like thick, nasty hole. And I spun, got spun around and was just like, 
I was, uh, I, I remember like, I looked at my map and I'm like, I just went right into where I think he was betting at. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm you know so <laughs> mad at myself. And, and, uh, my cousin Mason was, had texted me at the time and said something about, uh, he had watched my recent video. He's like, Oh, I really liked that video. Um, the quest for the three year quest or whatever. And I was like, well, I'm on a quest right now trying to find my truck. And, uh, well then I lost, ser- I lost service and, um, and he, I get back to my truck like an hour later and he, he there's a couple messages he's like do you really he's like do you have a map and then the next one was like do you need help because <laughs> i was you know he thought i was lost at that point i'm like no i was just screwing everything up you know walking through the the area that that i shouldn't have been and that's just like those types of things happen you know i was with johnny today and he was talking about like feeling like he was close on a couple of deer but then like he'd be noisy or something would happen. He's like, then I lost all my confidence. You know, I was hanging my set and I banged something together or did whatever. And he's just like, dang it. You know, it's just, that's, that's kind of the, the nature of it. Oh, dude, you're not wrong. All that, all that stuff happens to everybody though. Like yesterday morning, walking in dead silent, 35 degrees and crisp. And I, it just sounded like a freight train walking through the woods. And when it's like that, I know that there's absolutely nothing that I can do about it. And I don't try to run, but I try to get to where I'm going. That way it's just got an over with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah especially the- it doesn't matter how fast or how slow you walk in four inches of crunchy leaves. There's, there's no being quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And especially on like a frosty morning like that, it makes it even, yep. you know, 10, 10 times worse when you're when you're going through it's like all right you might as well, might as well do it and i don't know if you've if you've climbed many cherry trees but like their bark is just like you yep. is the loudest tree out there and sometimes that's the only tree i can get in and i hate it because it's just like you're going up it's like you know no matter your your, your pants brush against it you know your sticks everything mm-hmm. that's just like no matter what you could touch it with your fingernail and it seems like it it makes the noise so loud that just spooks everything off and i'm just like all right at this point just get in get set and then let it die down you know just be quiet be still yeah. <laughs> that's all you can do yeah yeah no it's um it's it's funny though because like I, I mean, I know even myself, it helps, you know, talking to people like you and talking to people like Johnny and my dad and all these people that, you know, I, I think are really good hunters. And then like hearing that everyone goes through it. Cause like, even, you know, when you're in your own little bubble and you're trying and you, and you're working so hard, you've done all this scouting, you're doing all this stuff and you have X amount of time to go in there and you screw things up. You just feel like, like the biggest idiot in the world. Like, it's just like, what, what am I doing? Like, I'm just messing this up. And it's just, and, and it's a, it's a mind. It's, it messes with your mind pretty good. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I think everybody deals with that stuff too, but you're, you're looking at the guy that gets the most frustrated. (laughs) All that stuff. I'm, I always tell like my friends and stuff when I act, I'm that guy that you could probably like smack in the face. I'll probably like look at you and just laugh at you. But if some, the most minute thing goes wrong, that's an inconvenience to me that I'm trying to do something important, it just fires me up, like, right now. <laughs> so all that little stuff, like, I'm trying to hang a stand, and I, like, ting something, and it, like, makes a loud noise, or something, I drop something, dude, I'm, I'm fired up. 
I just love everything like according to plan. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you there, man. And it's just like this whole, it, it feels like no matter what, every season you go through these things and these things happen or just whatever, or like the the wind shift. And it's like, that's, that's something that seems to happen every time I'm in the tree where it's just like, what do you mean? Like this, you know, I thought I had this calculated perfect. I thought the thermals were going to do this. I thought the wind was going to do that. And it's just like, nope, we're going to do the complete opposite. And we're going to have a gust that goes right in where yep. you think that these deer are bedded at. Or, and, and, and I've kind of come to the, like, for me, when I'm, when I'm sitting in a tree, it's just like, I understand there's going to be some shifts that happen. And especially during the rut, I don't worry about it as much. It's like deer can come from absolute, anywhere and like out when i so i saw 12 bucks this last week which is like i said was i think we were talking about it beforehand was incredible like i hadn't seen that many deer in a week and i can't tell you how long but really none of them came only one of them came from the direct like the way i thought they were going to you know my camera was sitting there i had a camera on a scrape and one day i saw six bucks and not one of them went in front of that camera and hit that scrape you know one was down downwind of it a little bit um other ones were just you know once a hot doe went running out through there then it was all on there was a couple bucks that were like looked like they were shed hunting they were just grid searching back and forth trying to catch her scent you know just running back and forth yeah. grunt and doing that stuff and it's just like you know this time of year it's it's really up in the air what's what's going to happen and uh so at, at that point i don't worry about it as much have you ever wanted to have levi morgan andy may johnny stewart and others available at all times well you can with cyber scout from spartan forge cyber scout is like the chat gpt for outdoors men and women you can ask it any questions related to bow building scouting hunting survival and a whole lot more I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. Cyber Scout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. And I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade Short Barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Yeah, I have definitely been... uh playing with the wind a lot this year especially in a new area like that and figuring out how the air currents actually work once you're in the tree for especially at an extended period of time how your thermals change and like that that i feel like unless it's going to be gusty from like daylight till dark when your thermals are pulling <laughs> in the morning when it's calm 
it's really repeatable about 9.30. Between 9.15 and 9.30 is when the day winds pick up here or in that spot. So it's, it's even like those little things to take notes on, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's actually the spot where I killed my buck. It was a west-facing slope with laurel on it, no bedding on the top. It was a little bit thicker on the lower side of the hill, but there was a uh, trail coming out the side that the does were using too. And as a nice pinch there, there's a blow down on the low side and a rock pile on the upper side, a fresh rub in the middle. And I just, I sat actually a lot lower than that the uh, Friday morning. And I seen those does work through that, that gap. And I just had a gut feeling. I was like, man, like, I feel like I just need to be a little further up the hill. I got up there. I found that spot set up and that buck come right through that gap uh, Saturday morning. But, uh, I had actually planned on, so I know in on that west facing slope and what's cold, you get like a north pole too. So it was it was coming downhill hard uh, when he come through, but I knew at ten o'clock the wind was gonna shift and start blowing uphill, you know, towards the direction that deer were gonna come from. And I was gonna sit all day that day, but I didn't have a second stand that wasn't far from me and I was gonna was gonna ride out Saturday and see how it uh, how it went. But I actually had an idea. I thought I was going to actually hang a set above the trail, too. And then sit in the stand until about 10. And as soon as the wind shifts, I was going to run down the tree and run across the trail in, like, one specific spot and get up the tree on the other side so my wind was still good. And then, they, then you just have to shoot either side of the tree before the deer hits your, your boot tracks. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. And and. You know, I was on, uh, I think it was thir- Thursday or Friday, Friday morning, I s- sat in a spot I hadn't sat in before, and I honestly didn't, I-, I know better, like, depending on the slope as far as when the thermals are going to change, but I was like, I want to get, there was four or five logging trails that intersected at this spot, and I found it, I was using LIDAR uh, on Spartan Forge to, because I was sitting in this bottom, I was in this hub and it was really like, I was having some action down there and it was good, but the, the wind speeds were going to be high that on Friday. And I was like, I, I can't get away with that down in this bottom at that point. Like even sitting on the, on the stream, like my thermals aren't going to pull down that wind's going to overtake it. So I was like, I need to, I need to get up higher. And I was trying to think of like, all right, where are these deer going to be coming from? And I was like, I've, I've scouted this side hill before but not great and it was kind of one of those things that i found a buck in the middle of the season and kind of just you know adjusted and 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 you know uh went there so i was like all right found logging trails on the map i'm like i'm gonna go in there but i want to get it was a steep side hill and i was like i want to get above these these trails but i need to wait really for the thermals to switch to to be able to do that but i also thought it was kind of a cruising spot in between um where i thought there was there was a clear cut on the top and i figured some does were hanging out there and there was a southwest wind coming across and it was just like okay i can get to that point and i I think this is where some deer are going to cruise but I, so I went in there just a little bit after daylight and I didn't have a tree picked or anything. So I was just kind of like sneaking through planning for some more mid midday type movement, but forgetting that it was a North slope, it took until about 11 AM for, for those thermals to switch and start, 
start going up. And then in the afternoon, the wind just was, the wind speed was so high, it took over and thermals really didn't play again until like there was some calm periods. And then it would, Mm -hmm. you know, I was throwing milkweed and it was funny watching the, just the differences of how, how it was working through there. And I did end up having a buck, uh, come up from the lower end of the logging trail, went right past me at eight yards. And, which that was, that was pretty cool to see that, you know, kind of work from blindly planned on the map. But it just reminded me again, as far as like how every spot is so different with wind, with thermals, all of that stuff. And a lot of it, you kind of do have to figure out in the fly. Like I try to plan, especially when I find good spots, I try to like, look at that stuff and be like, all right, you know, I'll put, I'll put it in the notes when I mark the pin, like I think the thermals are going to switch around this time, you know, whatever. But you know, you'll get these, you know, like this past week we had, at least where I was at, had a lot of Southwest winds. And then, you know, some days were higher wind speeds than others. And you just kind of got to look at the conditions, you know, even the night before, cause they're always changing and then make a yep. decision based off of that. And if you're in a new spot, you're going to mess up and that's just, that's the nature of it. And, but you take those notes down and, and remember it for next time. Hopefully that it's, you know, something that's repeatable. Yeah, definitely. Have you ever taken note of, uh, at what, when speed that the thermal stop? So this is also something I feel like depends on, I, I think the vegetation depends on this a little bit too, whether it's thicker vegetation that kind of blocks the wind a little bit, like hemlock stuff doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be, you can have higher wind speeds and it still work with the thermal stuff. But normally it seems like over seven or eight miles an hour, you start getting some mixture and some swirling because you know when some of those gusts come through that are over 10 miles an hour it seems like that overpowers the thermals depending on this the other thing is depending on the size of the hill you know if you get some like really big mountains i feel like you can get even higher wind speeds depending on where you're at in the hill and you'll still have a thermal pull whereas if you get something that's like three four hundred foot of elevation gain that's in between not a whole lot that seems to you know lower wind speeds can can impact that have you have you looked at that at all no that that'd be uh interesting to try to start taking notes on for me basically uh i'll just look at my phone or one of my apps if it says that it's going to be like five mile an hour and under then i'm automatically taking thermals like i'm playing thermals 100 percent. and then if it's like seven mile an hour plus that I'm probably going to set up for when that one picks up. Yep. Yep. No, that's, that's exactly right. And like it, cause you can't, especially if you're, if you're trying to sit all day or like you, you know, with you work and you, you know, you're basically trying to hunt till what, what time do you, are you able to hunt till? Uh, usually about 10 30, 11 o'clock, something like that. Yeah. So you're, you're, you know, you're trying to, to figure out what it's going to do, you know, in that window that you have available. But when you're, when you're hunting, if you're hunting all day during the rut, it's like, I've always just looked at it as I understand there's going to be times my wind isn't good, you know, exactly what I want, but I'm trying to figure out when I think the deer could potentially come through. So there's some spots I'm getting in there early and, and being like, okay, it's prop. My wind's really not great. 
because the thermals are falling for the first few hours or whatever, and I'm above the trail, and I'm going to have to shoot them before they get there if that's the, the case. But I know, you know, when they may be cruising from different doe bedding area to doe bedding area, that in the middle of the day that my wind should be pretty good. So, like, I, I try to look at that mm-hmm. when I'm planning uh, planning out my sits and to, to be able to, to do it. And I, I felt like felt like this past week has been pretty good like i said there was still a lot of a lot of swirling that was going on at times but it wasn't it for the most part it was it was pretty predictable and i you know i even sometimes i play with things of like i know it's going to be risky but i kind of wanted to see if i can get away with it and and do it and this you know and 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 that's uh, how you learn i don't know if it was wednesday or thursday here it was really really windy um might have been wednesday no, it was Thursday. Yeah. I went in and uh, I was hunting this scrape that I had a buck coming into. It was the only pattern of a buck I've had all, all year long. He, he just he had a pattern where every time that we had a cold snap, he showed up in daylight. And this was the third cold snap that we were going to get was this past week here. And um, I set up on it days before that just to make sure. I sat on the scrape for five days. And I knew he was going to show up eventually. Well, we had that one gusty wind day, and I'm like, well, if I don't go sit there, he's going to show up. So I'm going to, like, if it a little bit and just see what happens. And uh, I never seen the deer. Well, Thursday, when I left that spot to go set up uh, on the west-facing slope, I had a camera on the edge of a um, bluff that I had to cross. And it was like a hundred yards off the side of this scrape. And what you know it, I know exactly what happened. That sucker caught my wind and he skirted me and still went to where he wanted to go. Instead of coming in the scrape, I caught him on camera skirting me. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, again, it's now something that that makes you overthink it and just like go yeah. through that. How many times do you that think that actually scenario. happens though? And people don't know it. And I just happen to catch that deer on camera doing it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it happens. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it happens quite a few times. And that's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's like always, I always laugh at like, you know, when guys are like, they feel like they have a buck that's patternable. I don't, you know, say farm country or, or, or where even in the big woods, if there's something they felt like was on a pattern, it's like every time that I'm not there, the deer shows up and it's like, well, I, I would think that, you know, that, that might be a thought that there's something going on that he knows you're there. He knows you're coming. Yep. Yep. He's got your routine. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, like throughout the season too, chase, when you're trying to like focus on, you know, one or two bucks, it can be such a, such a mentally draining, you know, thing. So this, this past week, again, just kind of thinking about that was we spent the first three days in one tree. I had, um, a camera guy with me, Matt, and he would, he came out, we, we hunted the same tree for three days straight. One and a half of those days were fire. The rest was completely dead and, uh, ended up moving to a, a different area and just completely different area. And, and went and hunted for about a day and a half. And I was going to go into this spot again. And I was going to go down in that, that Creek bottom when the winds died down that I was telling you about. And there's big hub scrape down there. It's, it's freaking great. And it funnels deer crossing from each valley to valley. And, uh, 
and I was telling, I was up at camp and I was telling my dad and my uncles and my cousin and all, I'm just talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, I think that's where I'm going to go in the morning. And they're like, what about that, that big deer you were hunting? And I'm like, well, he's, you know, and I think it was actually after you and I were talking and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go hunt and like, just like not worry about him for a few <laughs> days. And, and, uh, and they're like, no, you got to go after that deer again. So like, I'm, I have this in my head and I'm like, all right. I'm going to go, you know, after this big deer again, I go sit there and this is the the bad thing about cell cameras. I had a cell camera at that scrape and, uh, what do you know? A nice 10 point shows up at one o'clock in the afternoon, just standing there at 17 yards at the scrape. Yep. The wind was perfect for that spot and it was, it was low wind speed that day. And I knew my thermals would be dumping right into that water. Like it would have been perfect. And, uh, and I'm just like, all right, well, hopefully this is, uh, maybe this, hopefully it's just going to all work itself out. And, uh, there's, there's a reason for, you know, chasing after this, this one deer, but we'll Sounds see. Like I, I, if there's one there, I, you I know, and I did text, <laughs> listen, I text, I texted all of them in a group message, a picture of it. And I said, this is your fault. You know, I, I, I was like, this is your guys's fault. And and their response was, ah, he's not big enough. Anyways, keep, keep, on. yeah, keep, keep hunting. You know, they, I was like, Oh, your dad's, but it's, one, it's, your dad's just one boot of Crockett. And that's what he has to say. Yeah, no, now he's, now he's just talking shit, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, they were just, you know, joking with me there, but I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I have this constant, like, back and forth on hunting a deer and versus just hunting and like enjoying the process of going to areas I want to go to and hunt. And then you and I were texting back and forth on it. And I feel the more, the more all of us as, you know, as hunters, you know, rely on, you know, trail cameras and things like that, you start seeing what's out there and you start getting obsessed on it. And, and I feel like with myself, I always have this like, this moment and it, it happens it seems like every year where i have this like mental check of like all right is this what i want to do do i is this worth it for me to focus on this deer or at this point do i want to you know just just have fun and it's not like i'm not having fun chasing a specific deer but it, it can be really frustrating at times so like it's this mm-hmm. this constant battle back and forth and you know you you and i were t- texting about that just a couple days really before you ended up you know, shooting uh, a a beautiful buck, but it wasn't the one that you were particularly hunting in there. And what, what are your thoughts after you, after you had shot that deer? Like, how, how do you feel about it? Oh man, there's, there's so many different ways to look at it though, because of how it happened too. I mean, you talked about that. Um, you just want, you just want me to lay that out. Yeah. Explain it. Uh, so the whole traditional thing, um, Dude, I, I love that, but I love shooting the traditional bow for real. Like we couldn't have not even had this conversation and and or nothing. And I just the traditional bow is I love it, uh, everything about it. But I was having some some uh, shooting issues um, in the last like couple of weeks, and then I had shot two bucks in Maryland actually, and didn't recover either. Of those deer, um, those deer made it. Because of the hit, but I, I backstrapped one and I hit one in the shoulder, and that was really frustrating, obviously, uh, because obviously you know if you had to calm down your hands, there's a big 
two dead deer in my eyes because they were so close. Um, and I, sh- I did shoot a doe uh, here in PA. Made a really good shot on her, so that was cool. Gave me a boost of confidence there. And but like on target, even I was having I don't know if it's target panic or or what was going on. I just had something mentally going on, and uh, I had a doe come in last Thursday, and she come in like uh, they, I I think I could have smoked her. She come in like eight yards, but she would not turn. She just refused to turn, and she come right to the base of my tree. And well, I mean, she seen the step and just went. <laughs> oh <laughs> look right up at turned, yeah she turned around jogged out like 15 yards broadside but dude i wasn't like jacked up or nothing i'm like i'm gonna shoot this though i'm gonna take my time talk myself through it get some confidence back and man i pulled back stared down shot just completely missed her and i'm like dude i don't know what happened but at that like at that point because I, mean, I was hunting that buck but I was in a spot where I was like, if I could shoot a doe in here, like I could get her out, no problem. And I was like, what, what's going to happen if I have this big deer that I'm wanting to come in? And now I'm thinking to myself, I really don't have much confidence after I dismissed that doe at 15 yards. Like in the back of my head, I was kind of afraid that I would like gut shoot that big deer or just wound him in general. So I talked to, I know I talked to you. I talked to, uh, I talked to Ryan Glitzke, a couple other guys about it. And, you know, they, they said there's no shame, you know, in picking up the compound if I don't have any, any confidence left. And that's where it comes into where there's like, there's two different ways to look at it for me after what happened. Cause I ended up shooting a buck the compound. I took the compound out one sit. And like I told you, I, I was in a tree for 20 minutes and that deer comes to 10 yards and I kill him. <laughs> you know i'm super happy with the deer because for me personally after this the long season i've had it's an awesome buck he's a good three-year-old deer mountain deer everything the whole morning was perfect uh the orange sunrise turkeys were gobbling i was chilling in the tree drinking coffee after the shot like it was the perfect morning that you wait for all year long so i'm 100 percent super happy with that deer but on the other side, it's like, man, if I would have just stuck it out, you know, that deer come to 10 yards, would have everything been different? And I'm trying not to talk in, talk in circles, but me and you had talked about the whole social media thing and how that, like, steers your season if you get too attached to what other people think. And I'm yeah. like, man, I feel like I'm going to get so much hate because I just, you know, all summer long, yeah, I had done other podcasts and stuff. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm shooting the trad though and everything, which it was. I hunted 60, like 66 days in a tree with the recurve. And it wasn't because I felt pressure to how to do it. It's because I just love to do it. But then I got so frustrated, I hung it up and took the wheels out and shot one. And I'm like, oh, man, now what are people going to think? But honestly, dude, like after the fact and like we talked and like talked to my dad and stuff, it, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not like I'm done with the recurve or nothing. Like, I got my confidence up. Like, I'm still going to shoot my recurve. And I'm going to kill a big one with the recurve. Like, it's going to happen. Eventually, it's going to happen. But I think, uh, like, the moral of the story, like, you just you can't care what everybody else thinks of your hunt. Because if you base your hunt on what everybody else thinks, you're probably not going to have that great of a time. 
because you're constantly going to be worried about everybody else's opinion. And dude, I went in there and I had the most perfect bull neck I'd ever asked for. So I'm, I'm super happy with that whole experience, no matter what. Yeah, dude, that's no, I, and, and like I, like I told you, and it's, it's easier said than done being on the outside than the person that's, you know, in it. But I, I didn't look at, you know, cause you, and, and outside, you know, taking what other people think out of it, you know, I know how you are and you're driven and like, you really wanted to, to shoot a nice buck with the recurve and like, that's what you wanted. And that's your, you know, personal goals of being able to do it at the same time. It's like, that doesn't mean like, I, I didn't look at that as a failure and you quit, you know, it's just, it's just part of the process of like, okay, I didn't, I, I actually think I respect you more from the standpoint of being able to be like, you know what? I don't have the confidence in it. I, you know, I've had a couple of bad, you know, shots with it and being like, and being able to recognize that and like, let your ego aside and be like, I'm going to pick up the compound that I feel confident in shooting right now and, and do that and just keep working at it. And then I'll be back with the trad bow. And like, and, and even if you were decided, like it wasn't for you, it's like, that's, and I know that's not, not the case at this point, but well, I'm shooting a new bow this year and I am pumped. After playing around with a buddy's Hoyt RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the Go Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX Exact Cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out at, or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the mobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. You, you don't know until you try something and you and you go through it and you mm-hmm. and you do it and 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 but like the 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 pressures of like outside things there's like there's a couple of things like I I think I think overall like social media is 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 a positive thing for me personally i've met some awesome people on there i love seeing it and people having success but when you're starting to have a down season or you're starting to struggle you're doing anything and you start seeing everybody's successes obviously you're happy for them but at the same time internally you're like man i suck and you start like kind of or you see like, you know, these giant deer going down. It's like a deer that you would normally be happy with. You start like questioning like, oh, you know, is, is this is this what I should be shooting? And it's like, 
you know, and, and again, easier said than done, but it's like, who cares? Like what is, you know, are any of those people going to be at your funeral? And even if, even if they, they are like, if they are, I mean, you're dead anyways at that point, like everyone's going to die. So why does it matter? Like do what, do what makes yep. you happy and, and be able to, and be able to feel it. And, and, you know, I'm talking to myself just as much as, as I'm saying this and like, I've always tried to, you know, throwing that I have the podcast and all this stuff out the window. Like I've always just personally tried to continually like get better at things and, you know, increase it and, you know, shoot bigger bucks and do all that, you know, but there's also, there's also the part of me that learns that have, has learned that this is a lifetime of working towards something. You, you can't really expect every year to just keep stepping up, stepping up, stepping up. Sometimes it's like, okay, you, you, you know, you step up, you have a, you know, a good year and you stay on and sometimes you drop down a little bit and then you come back up and it's yep. just like, you just can, you know, continually working at it. And, 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 for, and for me, like that's, that was, and that's why I have what I call variable scale on what, what I'm willing, what I want to shoot, like from a buck size standpoint or, or maturity or whatever you want to look at. You know, there's, I'm not a person that says that, oh, I'm going to shoot, like, if I'm going to shoot it on the first day, I'm going to shoot it on the last day, you know, I'm not going to pass on certain bucks and then shoot them later in the season. That's the complete opposite for me. Like, I will pass on bucks earlier in the season and shoot them later because I want to at that, that standpoint. Like, that's just, that's, that's just the way for, for me. And I know there's, I have some really good friends that are the complete opposite and I respect the way they look at it too. But, you know, I, I've, I, well, there was, there was one buck, I think I was telling you that it was right after I just got done seeing the big one I was hunting. And then this nice buck, mature buck came out at 33 yards, I believe. And just, I, I second guessed it for just enough time that I didn't have an opportunity if I wanted to at that point, but I had it for like, you know, a five to seven second window that he was there, bows in hand. And I'm just looking at him and I'm like, I don't know. And then, you know, as he started walking off, I'm like, he went behind this tree. I'm like, I think I'm going to shoot him. And at that point it was too late. And it was like, all right, <laughs> I either got to make a decision, you know, when they come out and, mm -hmm. and, you know, own it and and be happy with it or or not and and then i don't regret it it's just it's that's just kind of the process that goes through your head and especially when you're trying to chase chase big deer and and get to get to know it and you know we i, I i've always i've always tried to steer away from saying like oh you know everyone always thinks that the place they hunt is the hardest place to hunt you know like you, you talk to anybody no matter what state it's like oh you if you came where I'm at, you know, it's pretty tough, but I, I really do think like, you know, hunting some of the, the big woods and, and mountains in, in the Appalachian mountain region, Pennsylvania and the other States around here is really difficult. And, and it's, it's tough to, to be able to do that. Even if you do have a lot of time to be able to, to spend it doing it, you know, just because, you know, you or I work all season, working our butts off to hunt one deer, we're not guaranteed that nobody is like, and, and you can do everything right and you're still not guaranteed it. And that's, that's, uh, that's the beauty of hunting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. It's tough, man. I yeah. was probably like 50 couple sets in and I'm setting myself thinking maybe I should hunt some farm country next year. <laughs> <laughs> There was a, there was a, one, at one point I actually went over here to a piece of private ground one evening, 
just to sit so I could see some deer. Like I think see I see seven deer. <laughs> yeah, I see seven deer coming to a green field. I'm like, oh my god, that's what a deer looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that's 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 exactly right. Now, I've I've also learned that too, and I, I've talked about it with with my family and friends and stuff. It's like. I love doing the challenging hard hunts that like you might not see some things, but I'd really like to start sprinkling in some things that are like just going yeah. out and shoot. A little more you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I, I do like seeing deer and it's like, especially when you're hunting like specific deer, they don't really do a lot of what other deer are. So you're not going to see a lot of deer in those places, especially in, I, 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 every year I see it and it's just a constant reminder, but like even during the rut, you know, sometimes you'll get a big one that comes out into the open and it's good, but they like to skirt inside that cover. Like even, and we, and it's hard to, to be able to do that. Like I was just hunting this, this clear cut edge. There was actually three different clear cuts that met. And then there was like a strip of woods and I was like right in this corner. It was a perfect rut funnel, but to the the thicker beach brush is like where those big bucks stay mm-hmm. to run and there's just you can't cut it out like you can't sit there and cut shooting lanes on public so it's just like all right what you know you're, you're trying to hit these gaps and find these stuff and you know obviously the spikes and the four points they're just out there just chilling in the wide open you know doing their thing <laughs> but those those older bucks just don't don't do that and it's it's uh or don't do that very often and it's it's hard to to get those those opportunities at them yeah yeah definitely i like to uh i like to kind of like set apart the age class my deer i'm hunting so like that big one that i was after i'm actually having a hard time putting an age on that deer i'll have to send you some pictures because i have a couple pictures where he just looks like a stone five-year-old big thick neck and then, like, I have pictures off another camera, and he looks like he's three. And I feel like that's su- – don't even get me started on the trail camera debate that I have from this season, dude. Oh, man. <laughs> I, deer look – they can look ten times the size that they really are, and they can look way smaller than they really are, just depending on what camera you're getting the pictures off of. And I've learned that because I run – at least 10, 15 different trail cameras. Like, I don't have one of the same. Like, I'll, I'll get pictures of the same deer on nine cameras this year, and he looks different on every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 uh, do, oh man, I'm so bad at like judging too, like off of the trail cameras. Like, there'll be some, like you said, there'll be angles or, or and even sometimes on the same exact camera, the hill look different and two different. Yep you know, situations where one, he's like, Oh my gosh, that's a giant, you know, that's 160 inch deer. And then you see him again. It's like, Oh, that's, is, is he 130? Like I, maybe not that big of a scale difference, but you know what I mean? Like you, you get these different angles and it's, it's tough, but well, even, the, uh, cam- even the buck that I did shoot, I had that buck on camera all summer and never even in the back of my mind did I think I would shoot that deer. And then I see him in person. That deer was way bigger in person than what I thought he was. Like he was, he did not look that big on camera at all. I promise you that. Yeah, no, that's, that's a beautiful deer. And, and, and it's funny because you don't, it is, it's, I, I have such a hard time field judging, like even in person to be able to do that. So we saw this buck, uh, yesterday about five o'clock in the evening, he's coming down the edge of the clear cut. And I'm like, Oh man, he's coming. We're right at the corner. Like he's coming down the edge. It's perfect. And, uh, 
and I'm looking, I'm like, holy cow, that's that's a 10 point. And I look at Matt and he's filming. I'm like, is that, is that 10 points? Like, it's a big 10. I'm like, it's the big 10, you know? And I'm like, and all of a sudden I, I went through these stages and I've identified what this deer is. And he ended up come, he ended up cutting underneath my, one of my other trees about 70 yards out that I've hunted out of and went out and I couldn't call him back in. He was just kind of on a mission and went back and reviewed the footage and it was a nice eight point, but it wasn't this giant 10 that I thought he was, you know, coming. And it's like, you start getting these, you play these tricks in your mind and be and like, sometimes I, I overestimate. And then there's sometimes that, that I underestimate what they are. And at the time, and I always laugh at the story my dad has of, he's got these years and years of sheds off this one buck that was from like 10 years ago. And he was just a giant deer. And he, he always laughs because I shot that deer three times. And anybody looks at him like, what do you mean you shot him three times? Like you wounded him? He's like, no, I shot the wrong deer three times thinking that it was him. Like that, like, you know, other bucks that had similar frames that were younger or different. Like he's like, I've shot that deer three times, but I've never actually killed him because they were always different, different deer. And, uh, and, and I, I like my dad's mentality and I've kind of taken it a little bit more where his whole thought process like with what deer he's going to shoot really comes down to a lot of times of like what is that experience up to that point you know is it something you called in or is it something that you set up close to you know a bedding area and your goal is to shoot one like that or and like it's all about like kind of what the whole experience is to to make that decision and does it get your heart pumping and make you you know and I, I think that's a, a really good way of looking at it versus just inches or or age or whatever that comes down to. Yeah, definitely. It's some dude, sometimes it's it's super hard to judge a suit. Like especially when the deer's coming in and it happens quick, your judgment goes like way out the window. Like you have a yeah. that's what second to make up your mind and then it's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you can't sit there and stare at the antlers. Otherwise you miss your opportunity and in the places yeah. that, that we hunt, it's like, I I've heard Jeff Sturgis say it before, um, about hunting in the timber and I, and some of it is with him and, and farm country, but he does hunt some big woods too. But he s- says, you really have seven seconds from the time you see a deer to shoot it most of the time. That's what he had kind of figured out. And I, I would even argue that sometimes that's that average might be less, you know, mm-hmm. where it, all of us, especially you get, you know, a windy day or the leaves are wet and you can't hear them. And then all of a sudden he comes out of this thick cover and it's like right now, like you have a decision to make yeah. to, to be able to say, do it. I would say it. I probably killed that buck in five seconds. Cause I mean, yeah. I, I told you uh, before we started the podcast, like I, I just picked up the bow and was just making sure that everything was ready. I mean, I just got light, you know I mean? It was seven 30. I pick up the bow. I like draw it back. And I'm like looking to make sure everything's good. I leave the bow up. I move my arm about four inches to hang it up. And I said, here comes the buck. And he was already at 30 yards. Because, I mean, it's thick. There's laurel in there. And I never really, I wasn't paying attention because I was doing something else. So I never heard him coming. Yeah. I look up, here it comes, it's 30 yards. And he closed it quick because he was jogging. So I had to make a decision like right now. And I tell you what, I almost passed that deer. Cause I was looking for the big one that I was hunting and yeah. I said, there's a buck. It's a shooter. He's a dark body, big deer. I'm like, am I going to shoot him? I don't know. I draw my bow back and it comes to 10 yards. I'm like, Meh. he stopped. I'm like, am I going to shoot? Am I going to shoot? 
within long season, wham, done. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that was it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, I was, I was so pumped when you sent me that picture and, and that it worked out. And that's like the perfect example of like how we were just texting, you know, days before that and you're kind of struggling and going through just a long season and just like, you know, wanting to catch a break with it. And right there, it was like a matter of five seconds, changed your whole season to like, man, this year is a good one, you know, <laughs> versus, <laughs> oh, it's been a struggle. And, uh, yeah. and that's, and that's how it, that's, that's how, how it goes. You know, it seems like year in and year out it last year was one of the toughest seasons I had ever had. And in a matter of seconds that all changed and I shot a, a nice buck on the last day that I had to hunt. And it was like, that to me is like, I always keep that in my mind. And, and Johnny's really good with the mindset thing of it. You know, he always says like every, every minute that you don't shoot a buck, you're one minute closer to when you're next, you're going to shoot your next one. And it's like, it's, it's true. Like that stuff can happen really at any time. And you just got to keep running the playbook and keep doing it and, and, and have fun with it and see kind of what, what happens. But yeah, definitely. It's crazy too. How like, season to season varies so much um like in 2021 when i shot my biggest deer uh, i put 70 sits in on just that deer before i I killed that one and dude by the end of it man i was hoping somebody else would kill it so it was over with because that deer drew me nuts (laughs) i mean it drew me clear out of my mind (laughs) and the following season last year i put like like an eighth of the effort into Pennsylvania that I usually do. Like I did not do much. Like I was just so focused on Ohio three sets and I kill my buck. Biggest buck yeah. I have ever all year. I killed him three sets. And then this year, here we are uh, 66 sits in a tree. So it, it just, yeah, it's crazy how much, you know, how it varies. Yeah, it, it, it definitely can. And, 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 uh, was like oh like, like this year it's it's funny because it's the opposite from the standpoint of I've had the absolute best season that I've had in a long time as far as encounters and sign and just like and just everything about it's been great but yet I'm still like I said I haven't drawn my bow back yet mm-hmm. and so it's like this and then I you know I start playing these games in my head like all right well, is this all going to end and is everything going to dry up and then I'm really going to be struggling or like, you know, I got I got to make it happen. And you, you start playing these things and these things go through your head to be able to, it just messes with you. And, yeah. and, and I, and when you talk to anybody that's like pretty serious about hunting, it seems like all of us go through these different, these different mental standpoints of it. You know, I was talking to, to Johnny, we were, we were in the woods together today and we were walking out and he was just like something about like, man, I felt so good in early October and I was seeing bucks. And then all of a sudden the entire spot, you know, dried up and he was like, I'm, you know, going to these other areas and, and moving. He's like, everything's just changes so fast. And, and you know, you could be doing really good and then all of a sudden it's dry and then it can be good again. And it's just, that's kind of the, the nature of it. And I think you like, I feel like you really need to love that process and love that roller coaster and be almost a little bit glutton for punishment on it to, to, to really be able to, to enjoy it, to to take it to the level that, that we like to, and, and get really serious about 
bow hunting whitetails. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how you look at things too. Like, there's always a positive to every situation. And I have not like it's been a slow season, and I've mentally struggled a little bit. But it wasn't because my hunts were bad. Um, I have I've had opportunities already multiple times. It was just my shooting ability is all it was. It wasn't that I was doing things wrong or doing anything wrong. You know, my setups were good. I was where I needed to be at. My access was good. All the details were pretty fine tuned for me this year. I felt. Um, it was just my shooting. You know, the uh, opening day in Maryland, I see a poking young deer uh, and another good deer behind it. And two days later, I had an opportunity at a good eight point, and I just made a bad shot, hit that deer through the back straps. Um, I think I've seen a couple other bucks uh, since then. And then I had another opportunity in Maryland. I had a buck come in 15 yards, works great, and shot him. Uh, low in the shoulder. It's like right there where the heart is. Like his, his leg was back a little bit. And I guess I just need to pay more attention to where I'm, um, I'm putting an arrow out with the recurve compared to a compound. And uh, I just, I hit that leg low and I just never made it through. But it went in like two inches and just bounced right back out. Uh, and then uh, I took that doe and then I had an opportunity to another doe and I seen. I haven't seen many bucks in PA, but I mean, that, that just comes along with it. You know how it is. This is stuff that we hunt. Yeah. I'm not setting up where I'm going to see deer at, but, uh, I think the buck I shot was the second shooter I seen in PA this year. Yeah, no, so I, I've, and, had, I've had encounters and, I, and opportunities, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, uh, just had some shooting stuff going on. Yeah, no. And, and, and I think, you know, as when this podcast comes out here, you know, mid November, there's going to be guys and, and girls that have tags still in their pocket and feeling like they're struggling. And I just, I always go back to, it's just like the same thing that Johnny, you know, Johnny says, like it, it can happen. It were, you know, you're, you're one minute closer to, to it happening. It's just like trying to stay positive, trying to look at the good and things like you were saying, like all the experiences and going through it and just keep doing the thing when you have the time available to be able to do it and, and put forth the work, but there's no, there's no shortcut to hunting deer and, and the places that are the big woods and, and everything like it's, it's going to be hard and that's just the nature of it. And I think you need to have a positive attitude and, and be able to, to stay up on it or otherwise you just drive yourself absolutely nuts. Yep. No, I agree. It's super good to have uh, have buddies around too that are uplifting. You know, uh, you know, me and you talking, and then having like Nathan, Ryan, and Jason, and Dalton, and all those guys to like, you know, send a text to, and you know, everybody's going to have a positive feedback to give you. Yeah, no, yeah. Surround yourself with good people. That if you have people that are always negative around you and having that, that's it's going to bleed into you no matter what. And and I'm super thankful that I've got a good circle of people that that I can bounce things off of and 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 feel like you know they're shooting me straight. They're not you know filling my head with BS just to make me feel better. But at the same time, you know they're they're able to look at it from not being emotionally attached and be able to give you clear, you know, guidance on it and 
like normally what it comes to me is like if I'm struggling and I call my dad or I call Johnny or I call you or I call somebody, it's like, it's like, all right, trust your process, but like you put in the work, you know, where good spots are now go run the playbook and go do it and just, and it'll, it'll work out. And, and if it doesn't figure out why it didn't and and get better next time. And that's, that's the, the ever it's, it's, something where you're just you're always it's i always look at it as like i'm always trying to chase excellence even though that's not or perfection even though that's not possible you you'll never be perfect but i feel like when you have that as your goal you just keep you know getting better and trying to trying to work at it at least that's how i look at it yep definitely yeah even my dad gave me like a wake-up call that i didn't even know that i needed at one point you know we was we was in the truck <laughs> together one morning I said, man, you know, season's been slow. He goes, well, you got to look at it this way. He said, you're hunting big mountain ground. He said, you're hunting, uh, you know, low deer density, hunting with a recurve, and you're hunting a certain type of deer. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) 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 I guess you've got a good point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. And then I'm also reminded too, like when I go, when I go to my family camp and, you know, I talk to my grandfather and I talk to to people about like, just the, just enjoying this, just the traditions of, of hunting and, and just really enjoying that process of, of, of being out there and how lucky we are to be able to do that and be able to put the time towards it and have a passion. You know, I always, I always look at it from the standpoint of people that don't have passions like this. Like I don't understand people that don't hunt. I'm like, I know that <laughs> weirdos. that's the, the process. <laughs> yeah. Weirdos. But it, I, I really like, I'm thankful that I have something I'm so passionate about and, and work towards and just like, I'm always thinking about it. And, and I think that, that that's awesome to, to be able to do. So you are not I don't know, man. one buddy. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of us out there that are, that are like that. And, and, uh, I'm glad I got to get to meet a bunch of them through the podcast and everything else. And, and to be able to meet all those people and it helps, it helps me 100% just, uh, be surrounded with, with those types of people. And, and I, I urge anybody to, to be able to do that. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about, the deer camp tradition because that's where you get a lot of that camaraderie too of like mm-hmm. if you can get like-minded people whether it's your family or your friends or anything to be able to get together and you and be able to bond with all those people that are have that similar mindset it's just it just makes it so much better it's like you know hunting hunting whitetails in the mountains for the most part is a pretty much a solo endeavor but when you can bring other people into it not necessarily doesn't have to be on the hunt itself but just in the conversations and talking about it it for me personally that helps a ton yep and there's always like with the tradition i don't know if you and your dad have uh have like things that you do specifically that makes you or like reminds you that it's hunting season or like little things that you always do so my dad had always told me stories about him and my pap, you know, they would be sitting out watching the field edge and be like drinking coffee and eating the Hershey kisses and stuff. So growing up all the time, I'm sitting with dad and we're always eating Hershey kisses and 
and drinking coffee together. Well, now when I'm by myself, like a big, a big thing for me, I don't know what it is. Like I drink coffee no matter what, like if it's cold outside, but if I'm just sitting in the tree stand and I got a thermos of coffee and I'm sipping on coffee when it's like really cold out and there's like a beautiful sunrise, dude, that's just like, that just reminds me that's how it's season. Like it's just part of it for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and you know, as, as I was saying, like Johnny and I were talking about today, it's like, you almost wish you could just pause some of the stuff because it happens so fast and hunting season flies by, even though it may feel like a long season, but before you know it, it's going to be winter and it's going to be just, you know, cold and stuck inside a lot more and try and enjoy every, every moment that you can out there and, and being thankful for that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to just continuing to, to grind it and be out there and, and also, you know, as I say, grinding it, but also enjoying the process and, and trying to learn from every experience that I have out there. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Cause as soon as the snow gets too deep, I'm going to be a grumpy old man. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I can't wait till uh, after hunting season, and I remember that, like, oh, I didn't get enough coal for my stove in the in the winter time, and all these <laughs> other things that are like life realities that I've been putting off because it's hunting season. So that's yeah. uh, I, I I'll, I'll I'll keep pushing those down the road for this point, and and <laughs> worry about them later. Like uh, my cousin Mason always says, he he's like, yeah, he's like present mason doesn't think about future mason and and uh <laughs> when it comes to like problems like that and they just deal yep. with it when it comes Take up care of it, whatever <laughs> yeah but anyways for the uh october leaf change and then you hate it when it comes to january yep that's exactly right but buddy i want to be uh i want to be respectful of your time to get some sleep tonight so you can get out and get hunting in the morning and and i'm gonna do the same thing here so i appreciate you coming on and and uh being able to talk i if anybody i urge everybody to if you are on social media follow chris unleash the weast on instagram is there anywhere else that uh, you want to direct anybody no that's that's pretty it for now uh eventually one of these days i might start a youtube channel thinking about that i'm getting some clips made up so that might be a thing in the future awesome well for now check him out over there and uh yeah you'll get to see all the work he's putting in from from a hunting perspective from uh the lifting perspective and everything else and and uh man i appreciate everything that uh you know getting to know you over the last year and and you know being another person i can bounce things off of and feel like i'm not as crazy as I feel sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, buddy. You got it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.